Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, September the 8th. And welcome to our commentary. It's awfully hot here, awfully hot in North Texas. But I do think they're saying that we may get some relief next week. So listen, bring the relief. I think we've had enough of, of this very hot summer. So bring relief. Bring some of that relief that they're... Uh, they're talking about. Before we get into our topics uh, this week, I just wanted to mention, I've got a post over at the American Thinker Friday morning, and it's about Mayor Adams in New York City. And all of you know how Mayor Adams is battling uh, a very difficult situation out there with the migrants. He's not getting any help from anybody. So he's sort of on his own. And uh, he made some rather uh, remarkable remarks about migrants destroying the city and all of that. You know, and of course, uh, he's paying the price for some very bad policy uh, on the part of the Biden administration. But it's a little bit of when demagoguery meets reality, as I write in my uh, in my post, uh, the demagoguery of calling for sanctuary cities of, you know, it was a lot of fun, you know, being a sanctuary city when you didn't actually have people uh, going to your city. But it's a lot different now because now you got to provide them jobs and schools and shelter, and they don't have the money. <laughs> it's as simple as that. New York just doesn't, they don't have the resources to deal with it. Nobody really does, honestly. Nobody really does. But New York, of course, the demagoguery, uh, sanctuary city, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. When they were criticizing the Republicans in Texas, it's a real pain, real pain in the New York, you know what, at the moment, and how they're going to deal with it, I don't know. Now, that kind of leads me to, uh, so check out my post over at the American Thinker, but it leads me to my next point. Apparently, the Biden administration is threatening Texas that these migrants are going to stay in Texas, that they're going to somehow force Texas to keep them here. I'm not exactly sure how they do that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I haven't really read the details of their of their threat, but how exactly they do that, I don't know. The governor came back uh, today and said, we're going to send more. And we're going to send more until the, the Biden administration changes their policy on the border. A disgraceful policy, by the way, on the border. And one that uh, they could stop tomorrow morning if they really wanted to. They could stop the situation. But, they, you know, for whatever reason, they've decided to play this game. And now the American people, and especially some of these blue cities, are getting hit uh, right between the eyes by the thousands of people who are arriving at these uh, at these cities. Speaking of uh, Texas versus uh, the Biden administration, there have been a couple of judges who have written or at least opined or said something about these barriers on the river. The first one said that Texas had to remove the barriers because Texas was basically intervening or interfering with the federal government's role in protecting the border or being responsible for the border. That was the first judge. The governor then took it to the appeal court or the fifth circuit, as I understand. And there the judge says, no, the barriers can stay while we're appealing this, while we're going through, through the appeal process. I, you know, I'm not a expert on what judges say, but that sounds to me like a little victory for the governor of Texas. And if somehow, and this is my wish, if somehow we could take this to the Supreme Court and present to the Supreme Court the situation, I mean, nobody in Texas is questioning 
that the border is a federal responsibility. Nobody's questioning that. Nobody's saying that the federal government doesn't have responsibility here. What we are saying is that the federal government is not enforcing the law or exercising its responsibilities on the border. That's what we're really saying. And it would be interesting to take this before the Supreme Court and see what the Supreme Court says. Because when you have a a state having to basically defend itself because the federal government is not doing its job, well, I think that uh, there may be some judges who look at that and say, Texas has a right to defend itself, especially in the event of a total failure on the part of the federal government. So we'll see. We'll see how all of this comes down. I honestly don't know how it's going to come down because I agree in principle that the border and you know immigration issues are federal issues. I agree with that. But in this case, it's a little bit more complicated because, again, Texas is not questioning the federal government's authority here. Texas is simply saying the federal government is not doing its job. They're not protecting uh, the border, and therefore Texas has to come up with all these expenses uh, to support uh, these people who are crossing over. Remember, we have the, I think we have the longest border with Mexico of any of the other states. Uh, I don't know how long the border from New Mexico, Arizona, and California. I haven't, it's not obviously a long border, but they have a pretty good one. But here in Texas, uh, you've had a lot of people trying to come over. We have major cities on the border, El Paso, Laredo, uh, and so on. And, and, you know, they invite many of these people to cross the to cross the river and so on. So we'll see. We'll see how all of this turns out. But I would not be surprised if Texas gets a good hearing from the Supreme Court or a federal judge who says, yes, uh, you know, this is a federal matter. But the federal government is not exercising its authority or doing its responsible action in protecting uh, the, not only the state of Texas, but the border of the United States. So we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. But I think the fact that the judge was willing to let the barriers continue or to sit there while the, the process is on appeal, I think that's kind of a victory as I read it for uh, for Texas. I mean, I certainly read it uh, that way. Well, some very bad polls have come out uh, for President Biden. Uh, a CNN poll, there was another one. And basically what the polls are saying is that people are not happy with President Biden. Uh, and it's not, it's not only about age. I mean, there is a, there, it is true that a large number of Americans, uh, 70%, 73% in another poll, believe that he's too old to be president. But I don't think that's what's really driving the bad uh, performance uh, or his low ratings. I think it all comes down to results and the fact that more and more people are looking at the results and they're saying, this is no good. This is no good. Price of gasoline, the price of food. These things are killing, but absolutely killing the American family. The inflation and the price of food and the, the price of gasoline. I mean, it's just killing the American family. And I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying, this is crazy. Maybe we need to change uh, who's the president. Now, the truth of the matter is that if you look at the poll, Donald Trump is not that popular either. So it's not like, you know, Trump is beating uh, Biden by 10 points or anything like that. He should be, given the, the condition of the country. 
But the reality is that the Trump versus Biden contest still pretty much of a dead heat. And I think that that's simply confirmation that nobody really wants these two men. I mean, I, I think that's what it is. That I think most Americans would rather see two new faces in 2024. Not necessarily differences in policy, not, not, not a Republican who would run against Trump policies because that's not going to happen. But at least I think different faces, I do believe uh, Americans want that. And, and that's because I think they're tired of all the partisanship going back and forth. I think they want a new beginning. And having um, a couple of new faces would be the start of a new beginning. I also think that the country could use a debate between the governor of Florida and the governor of California, a debate about the future of the country. Do we want to be more like Florida or do we want to be more like, like uh, California? Do we want to be more like New York or do we want to be like Ohio? Do we want to be more like Illinois or more like Texas? Uh, I think the country needs that debate because there's some real contrast differences in what's happening in, in the top, in the big blue states and what's happening in the big red states. The big red states are getting all kinds of new people moving in. The big blue states are having all kinds of people move out. That should tell you something about uh, what people want. And that's a debate I wish we could we could have in 20 in 2024. Well, there's a presidential election coming in Mexico uh, next July. It'll be less than a year away. And right now, what's interesting uh, about the, the election is that it's looked like the election is going to be between two women. So there's, you know, almost a 90% chance that the next president of, uh, of Mexico is going to be one of these two ladies. One is a senator and the other one is the former mayor of New York City. Who's going to win? I don't know. I don't really know these two ladies that well, but from what I'm hearing, from what I'm, he I'm hearing, uh, it's engaging a lot of uh, people in this presidential election. I think we're going to try to do a show on Mexico and look at these two candidates and see which one of these two ladies perhaps would be not only good, better for Mexico, but also maybe a little better for U.S., Mexico relationships, because right now we need that. We need that badly. We need a better communication and, frankly, a better relationship between the United States and Mexico. But trust me, there's some deep problems in Mexico. And, you know, changing presidents is not going to make much of a difference. Now, there will be some, you know, historic conversation about the fact that it's going to be a woman, the next president. But as soon as she shows up to work, I think she's going to find out that she has a lot of problems waiting for her on her desk. A couple of things on this day in history. Patsy Cline, the great uh, country singer, was born on this day in 1930. She died in a plane crash in 1963. I love Patsy Cline. Her songs are just absolutely fabulous. She had a great voice. And even to this day, she's been dead for 60 years, but even to this day, she's considered one of the real influences in country music. And on this day in 1974, one of the most controversial decisions of the 1970s, the Nixon pardon, happened today, September the 8th. History, time, has uh, basically concluded that President Ford did the right thing. Back then, there was a lot of uproar about the decision. But I think over time, uh, more and more historians see the decision as correct. And uh, President Ford looks pretty good. And having made that super, and I remember that moment, that super difficult decision 
of pardoning Richard Nixon. But as President Ford said many times, and he didn't back away, by the way, from any interviews on the topic, he went to the Congress and answered their questions directly. And he simply said, look, you know, I got to run a country and I'm spending a tremendous amount of time on the matter of Richard Nixon. And I got to put this behind me. I got a country to run. And he made the call. And again, as I say, history and historians agree now that it was the right call. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.